In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. The Lord Jesus, look at me now. Our Lord Jesus Christ will have nothing to do with surface faith. God wants men, he wants women full of the Holy Ghost, purified until they have no will. Take my will and make it thine, it shall be no longer mine. In perfect unison with him. There's very little of the fear of God among today's Christians. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. And by the fear of the Lord, men depart from their evil. Nobody's convicted of anything anymore. You live in an insane society, for there is no fear of God in their eyes. Nobody fears God anymore. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. I don't ask people if they're saved anymore. Who isn't saved? From the White House to the jailhouse. <clears throat> I look a person in the eye and say, does Christ live in you? And I want you to know that when you take a look at American Christianity, it is based more upon a godless culture than it is upon the Word of God. And you can't substitute the work of the Spirit of God God with some little method of taking a verse out of context, getting them to pray a prayer, and then popishly declaring them to be safe. So that you can walk away with another notch on your belt. Breastplate on in the army of the Lord. I got my breastplate on in the army. I got my breastplate on in the army. I got my breastplate on in the army of the Lord. I got my breastplate on in the army of the Lord. I got my breastplate on in the army of the Lord. I got my breastplate on in the
doesn't wake you up you're way too far asleep that's called i'm a soldier a good a good uh opening for today a good song to play today it is veterans day the 11th of november 2022 <clears throat> that was three bridges i'm a soldier and um I, you know i think it's it's good to 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 throw a little bit of music at you at the beginning somewhere in there before we get into the the meat of the scripture uh, get get our minds set on on what the task is at hand and uh the task at at hand for me is to do the best i can to be an expositor of this set of scriptures that we've been looking at which is first peter we left off last time first peter chapter 3 right at verse 15 so we'll pick up at 16 in a moment i want to discuss a couple of things off the off the cuff right at, in the, in my uh opening you hear a few things being said that you know some people probably they may even take some they may take a little problem with that. They may think, well, he's he's pushing something that my preacher doesn't talk about. And the one is the Lord Jesus Christ will have nothing to do with surface faith. Now, uh, as you grow in your faith, you should do just that. How do you grow in your faith? Well, don't, don't fall back on the example or the excuse that... Uh, uh, if I don't know it, I'm not going to be held accountable for it. As a follower of Christ, and that's what a Christian, listen to me, Christian, that's what we are. Now, are we all going to you know, decide to take a detour once in a while from his path and do things that we probably shouldn't, say things we shouldn't, think things we shouldn't? Paul says to take the thoughts captive, to the Lord or in Christ. So, you know, he, he knew, Paul knew. Now listen to me. No one that wrote 
in the let's just say New Testament of the of the Bible ever said all you have to have is you know just surface faith what what you see and I think what he's talking about it's not it's not the the faith that's the size of a grain of mustard seed that can move a mountain he's talking about faith of uh, being faithful even being faithful in church going you know there's a lot of people you know I I I know I talk to people you know, as I minister here and there. And I talk to people who go to a lot of different denominations of church. And all of them are saying the same thing practically. There's hardly anybody there on a Sunday morning. And on Sunday evening, if they even have a Sunday evening uh, uh, gathering, there's even less. Wednesday, you might as well just forget it. But those that are faithful and don't forget that stay in the word and stay in tune and and do what we're supposed to, you know, it's not that we're better than anybody else. That's that's never something that I want to promote. I just say, why is it I feel like I want to do this or my friends that do that want to be in the word and and, uh, not just by yourself there's a lot of people that do that and that's fine you know uh john bunyan did it he was in the word all by himself in a jail cell because he was a man who stuck up for the lord jesus christ and he wrote the book a pilgrim's promise progress i'm sorry a pilgrim's progress he also wrote some stuff like a journey through hell and some other wonderful pieces of literature of of the books that i read anymore as we i didn't even mean to switch into that i don't even read novels anymore but if i do they will be those old things like that pilgrim's progress some of some of c.s lewis's great writing and you and you can get lost in those and it, it's good to uh Think about what were these guys thinking about when they wrote those great tomes of uh, backed up by Scripture, backed up by their love for Christ. And, you know, if we were today's writers can't come close. You know, there are some guys that I, I would say worthy of reading, and uh, they're usually, again, folks that have passed on or, or, or that are still with us that aren't afraid to bring you the same kind of gospel that I do, which is straight at you. It's us where we live. Notice how I said that. I'm not all about pointing my finger at everybody. I have my own foibles. I have my own things to overcome. And I, I try hard to do it in a world that is so prevalently messed up. I mean, it's horrible. You know, when you have uh, this transgendering and, and this, and there, you know, okay, if you're 40 and you're stupid enough to fall for the, I am a man that wants to be a woman or a woman that wants to be a man, you, you're old enough to make dumb decisions, actually sinful, uh, life-altering 
deathly decisions, but a teenager is not. And the parents who back this stuff up are they're following the, the the Satan. That's all there is to it. I said the Satan. That's actually how uh, grammatically it's said in the Bible. But, you know, devil. And if they don't like it, I'm sorry. The school boards that, that want to promote all this garbage. I mean, that's the world that we live in. And it it has gotten to the point where this stuff has seeped into the people of God. And that's where that surface faith comes in. Well, I did my due diligence this week. And then, you know, again, you can't find anywhere in the Gospels where the Gospel writers of Peter, John, and Paul, you know, the epistles, where they say, oh, it's better, you know, just, just you know, get to know Jesus a little bit and then get away from it because you don't want to. No, there's nothing, no such thing. All the way through, you're encouraged to draw closer to Christ, to draw into his presence. How do you do that? He's in heaven. Spiritually, so are you. You've been translated from where we are now. I mean, we st- I'm sitting here at my desk, got the frankincense running, my, my dog sitting next to me. It's raining outside, you know. I know where I'm at physically. But Ephesians tells us that we are seated in heavenly places. We have been given that in our adoption as sons and daughters into God's family. So let us carry on, carry forth, and carry over. First Peter 3 and 16. And if you want to, I'm going to give you a chance to turn to your Bible if you want to. If you're using a, an electric sword today, that's fine too. I don't care. I don't care what version you use. I have my own particular one that I follow pretty much all the time, King James. Some people, I can't understand it. You know, well, you know, that's up to you. I, you know, I don't get caught up. There's, there are certain things I don't like that I won't use. NIV, I'm not a big fan of. The message isn't even a Bible, so that's never going to be heard here. There are people who like it. There are people who use some of its literature when they preach. I do not. For the most part, you hear from me is good old King James. All right, by now, you ought to be turned there. First Peter 3, verse number 16. Having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse you or accuse your good conversation in Christ. Now, you know, I'll tell you what. Sometimes you can get hit from both sides on this one. You can have people outside of Christ, those who really don't want anything to do with him, who will just, they they are going to, they're, they're evildoers, it says. Then they, they're going to speak evil of you. They're going to they're gonna find something about you that they can tear you down. They're going to find something about you that is, it says right here, when they speak evil of you and accuse you or accuse your good conversation in Christ. Now, you know, that's not hard to, to, to parse out. You, you've probably all had someone 
in your life as a believer who has, you know, just, I don't want to hear what you got to say. I don't want to hear any of that stuff about Jesus. And uh, it, it's it's kind of painful to you because, you, you know, maybe you're on fire for Christ. Maybe you're on fire for God. Paul said, Romans 9, 1, I say the truth in Christ. I lie not. My conscience also bearing the witness in the Holy Ghost. When you're filled with the Holy Ghost, and I pray you are, if not, seek him out. Ask God to keep you filled and fulfilled. You ask for his wisdom. Ask for his grace to help you can you know i run into stuff all the time as you get more and more into a ministry you're going to have people who uh try to mess it up and it, it doesn't always have to be you know tearing you apart it could be a lot of different things you know pushing you aside you know i don't care about what you're doing you know we're doing this and uh you know that these things are going to happen Paul, this is Peter we're studying, but Paul also wrote much about the good conscience. You know, just check that out. You know, if you have an ab- the ability or the knowledge to do like I'm doing, you know, using uh, online Bible help, you can see that there's a lot about the good conversation. Peter in 2.12 First Peter two twelve. We we studied it. Or having your conversation, your manner of living, honest amongst the heathens, Gentiles. That whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of the visitation. Now Peter wrote that several times, and and maybe used different words, but we'll see as we go back uh, later down the road very soon probably more than i know we'll we'll run into this again in in first peter chapter 4 first peter chapter 4 he kind of says the same thing all over again that you know they the, the gentiles you know he says gentiles we are all we like i've said before and i'm going to say it again god at the point in time that we are looking at peter's time 2000 years ago there were two races, you know, two races, R-A-C-E-S, races, as in, you know, how we look at people, yellow, red and yellow, black and white. God looks at people, Gentile and Jew. Now that Christ has come and, and, and has fulfilled the promise of all that New Testament, or I'm sorry, Old Testament prophecies, he fulfilled every one of them except the second coming now god looks down upon us again as two races saved and unsaved and in in the terminology that our friends here peter and others they still call them gentiles or gentiles they're they're people who um are not of the faith okay do you follow me so, you know, that's that, that shows up quite a bit. Um, that's not really for today's dissertation, but, you know, it will it is, is something we will hear 
more than once as we go through this. Now, uh, it says basically, don't be ashamed. They're going to falsely accuse you. They're going to come up with people. You know, they, they just, it's something about, you know, when you come to Christ, people just, they, they, they can't handle it. You know, you, you aren't like them anymore and they aren't like you. And, and, you know, here you are now trying to convince them to come over to Christ's side, to God's side. In John 15 and verse 25, Jesus, I'm paraphrasing. I don't have this right in front of me. I could have, but I don't. Jesus said, if they hated me without a cause, they will hate you also. If they hated me without a cause, they're not going to be too gracious to you as well. You know, we keep being told we'll never have to go through anything bad, and then we go through things that are not so good. And then people lay that off and say, well, it's going to get a lot worse, but we won't go through it. And I don't buy it because I see things. We just came through an election. I don't talk about that stuff too much because I don't study it as as much as others. And that's just, there's there's nothing wrong with being involved in it. I do vote. I know how to vote, and I know whom I will vote for. <clears throat> I will not vote for that which is evil. I'll just tell you that straight up front. Matthew 5.11 this I do have in front of me. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. See how Peter, who sat there and listened to this Sermon on the Mount, as it's called in, in Matthew, Sermon on the Plain, it's called in Luke. Peter was there. Peter was there, and they also fed the 5,000. And, and, I mean, it just goes on and on, the wonderful things that happened in the presence of Christ, the wonderful things said in the, in the, in the presence of Christ. And when a man, even 2,000 years later, breaks open the word of God and starts to preach and uses the word of God in its context, in its reality, it is as if, Christ speaks. Now, there's a lot to be said there, and I'm not going to go too deep in it. Some people say, oh, he thinks he's God. No, I do not. What I'm trying to say is when we expound upon Scripture and we leave out all the goop, I used to sell cars. I'm, I'm going to throw some goop at you. I used to sell cars. And in one dealership I sold at, it was new cars, uh, one dealership I sold at, when you sold a car, it, you know, they went through the whole thing. You know, you get people to sign the paper and, you know, get their, then they go to the finance guy. And we had a little dude in finance and, and he said, did you set him up for the goop? And I'm like, yeah, well, I guess so. And that would be is simply this, all the extra junk that you don't need, gap insurance and, and, you know, do you want a uh, undercoating and do you want this and that? Yeah, it's all, you know, and it adds thousands of dollars more onto, and people are in the buying mode when they get there. So it's easier to sway them with not very much push. 
That's what happens in a lot of sermons. There's a lot of goop. There's a lot of stories, jokes, riddles, uh, all that kind of thing that doesn't need to be there. When you read uh, some of the best sermons ever, one of them was a Sermon on the Mount from Matthew 5 through Matthew 7. When you see Jesus speaking to the Pharisees in Matthew 23. When you see Peter at Pentecost, those, you know, there's prayers, the prayer of Solomon for the temple, the prayers of David all the way through the Psalms, prayers of Moses. They didn't tell a lot of unnecessary stories. They didn't try to grab you by your heartstrings, so to speak. They tried to reach into your soul with the gospel of Christ. Stephen's another good example. It's about Acts chapter 7, I think. And then Paul, when he writes to the Ephesians and writes to the Thessalonians and and all these others, and Peter, when he's writing here, he's writing to these churches as if he's there. He doesn't, you know, when, when, and especially when you write, you don't add a bunch of nonsense into what you're doing. They want to hit the point. Uh, they want to hit the point and hit it straight in. I've seen guys preach, and, and they, they just literally shred you. And then you hear other guys, you know, they gum through five or six uh, points that they want to cover, which is fine. You know, I have five points that I want to go through. But the problem there, if you don't hand the people your five points, and if they're not writing them down, the last point you hit better be the most important. That better be the, the salvation if you haven't been saved point. That is the one that people are the most, uh, they're going to hear, they're going to remember. They're going to remember. They're going to retain that last point. I'm not going to give any examples of things I've heard on those points. And I'm going to tell you the truth. It was the last point, and most of, a lot of the ones I'm saying that are really bad, they hit that last point. And it's the last one. It's, you don't remember any of the other ones unless you've dutifully written them all down. I and I, you know, there's there's preachers I do that with, and some I do not. <clears throat> Let's get going. First uh, sixteen, I think we've we've beaten that one down. There's people that are going to say things about you and do things to you and whatever. But verse seventeen, for it is better. If the will of God be so, you'll see this again down the road as well, but it is better if the will of God be so that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. You know, you don't want to be a murderer. You don't want to be a thief. You don't want to be a liar. You don't want to be a gossiper. You don't want to be any of those things that, that you know, you know what they're wrong. We know what's wrong. But when preachers don't don't go above and beyond their capabilities, when they don't teach anything, all they want to do is get that sixth point and get you to the altar call. I mean, I'm not against altar calls. Don't get me wrong. But 
I have seen the most ham-fisted altar calls happen in churches all over the place. They're ham-fisted. When I say, you know, my buddy Mike drew a picture of a guy with hams on his hand when I kept saying it. But it's like, you know, you think about that. It is, I'm going to club you, you know, or something. Or it's just, I don't know what how to do it, but I'm going to, I'm going to, take a wedge and drive it into this message to get you down front. And they, and they really don't work. Okay. So I'm suffering for well-doing better than evil doing. Like I say, you know, it's wrong. And if it's wrong, it's evil. Okay. If something we do is wrong, it's evil. It can't be good. There's right and wrong. Period. Oh, there's got to be middle ground somewhere. Find it. Write me an email. Removing confusion at protonmail.com. Or on the Facebook, the MeWe, whatever page I'm posting these things to. You know, if you if you can give me the middle ground between right and wrong in God's perspective, not ours, we can always find some. Oh, well, there's yeah, there's gray area. No, there's not. Okay, for Christ also this is eighteen verse eighteen. For Christ also also hath once suffered for sins. Doop stop. We have a perfect sacrifice in our Lord Jesus Christ once suffered for our sins that means he doesn't get he doesn't have to do it again nor do we really suffer to cleanse us of our sins because we nothing we do is going to get us there the just for the unjust jesus was the just we are the unjust why did he do it why did he do it why did he have to suffer for our sins? And why did the just one, the one who did not sin, have to sin, had to suffer for those who of us who are unjust that did sin and probably continue to? It's well the answer is that he might bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh but quickened by the spirit. Now, let me say this. He came from glory. He came from above. He left a heavenly home, came here as a baby, had to grow up just like any of us did, work with his hands like any of us did, or maybe more so. He had to suffer through a lot of the worst period of time in the history of, of Israel, besides Babylonian captivity, but the Romans were there. So you never knew when you're going to get nailed to a cross or just killed, you know, sickness and death everywhere. So he did that suffering. Then as well, he was put to death in the flesh. He had to be killed. He was killed by men who accused him of things he did not do. Blasphemy, sinner, this, that, and the other thing. Probably adulterer and fornicator. 
everything they could think of to blame him for, they, I'm sure they did. The Bible doesn't give us all that, but I know how men are, and so do you. But he was put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. God raised him up three days later after he came off the cross, placed in a tomb, set for burial, set for eternity in the, in the ground, he rose up. His grave is empty. You find somebody else's grave, it's empty. That would be because somebody stole the body. They didn't do that here. He walked among them for the next 40 days. Or 50. He, he, he met with all of his disciples, except for Judas had killed himself. Now, we're going to touch on something in this next verse, and I'm trying to cut through this really quickly. Uh, these, th- these same things, though. Christ died for us. He suffered for our sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. He brings us to God. When we accept him, when we become Christians, when we follow him, he has brought us to God. He puts to death in our flesh sin, Sin is being put to death. It still has its little grab on us, but we're quickened by the Spirit. The Spirit of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, inhabits us. He reminds us, hey, you shouldn't be doing that thing. You may do it anyway, but he's always telling you, don't do that. <laughs> now, verse 19, I wanna, I really want to hit this because these are, this is where things get a little... Shaky. Uh, Verse 19, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which, in verse 20, which sometimes were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a-preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. Oh, boy. You can get into the weeds on this one really quickly. There's a lot of thought about it. But what we find is there are certain spirits who are languishing in a place awaiting final judgment, the prison, hell, whatever you want to call it, locked in chains of darkness, I believe it says in Second Peter. Um, it is a place so horrible that the darkness can chain you down, can suffer you. Uh, these, it says these, these uh, spirits are sometimes were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a-preparing wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by the water. Okay. Oh, goodness. Genesis chapter 6 talks about an incursion of some kind of uh, angels that fell on their own and inhabited with female humans and created some sort of hybrid between the two called a Nephilim. These Nephilim have no soul. 
so to speak. When they died, it was purported that the demons are what came from them. Now, this is this is one of just one of many theories. There, there are some. This is the one that makes the most sense because it talks about the sons of God went into the daughters of men. Sons of God in the Old Testament were usually referred to angels of some sort. And how this happened is beyond today's, but since Peter speaks of it, it, de- it deserves some talk. But God was long-suffering even then, long-suffering. That means he had patience, mercy, waited on the days of Noah. He said Noah was perfect in all his generations. And while they prepared the ark, 120-some years it took to build the ark, and only eight people. And they say, you know, there's a possibility that a billion people were on the planet back then, and only eight of them were saved by the water. Um, I know I went into some pretty not talked about in your basic church service kind of thing there, but let me tell you, it's all there. What the Lord said in Genesis 6, 3, my spirit shall not always strive with men for that he is also flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. And he saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was evil continually. But God is very long-suffering. He gave them so much time to repent, to come to the saving knowledge of God, to get away from the things that were going on in their day. It was evil continually. Look around today. Does it not seem like, you know, like I say, we talked about transgenders, homosexuals, and all that kind of stuff, and that can get me banned on a lot of places if they listen to what I'm saying. But it's not, it's an abomination unto God. Little girl, you were born a girl. Grow up and be a young woman who follows Jesus. Little boy, you were born a boy. Grow up and be a man. Marry the girl. Have babies. Take them to church. Okay. Oh, boy. When you get into the Genesis 6 thing, we haven't even touched that in anything because I know it's controversial to a lot of people. And there's a lot of different, well, not really. There's only a couple of different things that people throw that into that whole theology. And, and, and one, only the one that makes sense is the one I just kind of went over very quickly. Verse 21, the like figure whereunto when baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven, is on the right hand of God, 
angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. Oh, my goodness. Amen. From 19 through 21, I think we hit that pretty good. Like I say, the flood is used as a picture of baptism and a good conscience towards God, an obedient step, a death and resurrection. When when we are baptized in water, immersed, as John the baptizer did, we... It's a picture of the grave. You're going down into the grave and resurrecting as Jesus did out of his grave. It's just a step of serious obedience. It has been used for years by several denominations as, if you don't do this, you can't be a member of our church. If you don't do this, you're not even saved. I know some wonderful people, Methodists, Quakers, all the like, that were maybe sprinkled. They were some of the most godly people I've ever met. You can't tell me because they didn't go under the water that God has said to them, you can't come in. When people go to the extremes they'll go to for their chosen doctrine, it's like they lock the door on people. Oh, nope, you can't be a part of us because you haven't done this one thing. You aren't even saved because you haven't done this one thing. I did it, you have to do it. Listen to me. Listen to me. It's important if you have the opportunity to be baptized, please do it. Because it is obedience to Jesus. It is a wonderful step in the process of your growth. Don't let anybody tell you you can't be this or you can't. The the, church that tells you that you can't be a part of our church if you don't get completely dunked and it has to be done in a church like this or whatever. I can't stand that thought process. But I got to get off that part because that just goes on and on. There is a, there is a, uh, a, a, a verse in the book of Ephesians that says one faith, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, period. And, you know, I like to, I like to have the verse in front of me. And, you know, sometimes these things just come to you and you're like, oh, I got to look it up. Ephesians 4, 5. Ephesians 4, 5. 
I don't like to go out of context with things. Let's go th- clear through Ephesians 4, 4 and 5. There is one body and one spirit, even as you or ye are called in one hope of your calling. And here it is. I'm going to think about that. One body, one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is the most important baptism you'll ever you'll ever experience. It will that's what changes your life. That's what makes you whole. That's what brings you in to the uh the the knowledge of what you've done as far as becoming a Christian, as far as becoming a a, a lover of God, a follower of Christ. That's important the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Oh, we don't talk about that around here. <laughs> some, some preachers will say, and there's a lot, I mean, you know, you can pick on uh, the poor, ridiculous, d- 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 certain denominations. You can pick on them and say, well, I know ours doesn't because they're scared of it. They're scared of all that spirit stuff. They're scared of the Holy Ghost. Well, they should be if they're if they're not following Christ. They're not being obedient. That's obedience is to know that you have been made whole, that you know that God has set his spirit within you. That's quickening of the spirit. Do you remember when we just talked about that about oh, probably half an hour ago, 15 minutes Verse 16, 1 Peter 3, or I'm sorry, 18. Christ has also, Christ hath also, good now, I'll get it right sooner or later, folks. For Christ also hath suffered for our sins, the just for the unjust. Now, I, 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 I seriously, I, I pause as I read this because in the book, in the verse, in the Bible, there are commas. Commas, to me, sometimes call for a breakdown of the sentence or a breakdown of the verse. Christ hath also hath once suffered for sins. We, we went through this, but I'm going to just touch it. Comma, the just for the unjust. Comma that he might bring us to God, comma, being put to death in the flesh, comma. Now here's the biggie, but quickened by the Spirit, capital S. Jesus went to the grave, went to the tomb, and it was God. It says God brought him out. God, the Spirit of God, raised him from the dead. His obedience all the way through his life 
or what brought him through. I mean, he, he was a perfect, sinless human being. And people say, oh, well, yeah, but he was God and he was Jesus. Okay, but he had the temptations that we all have. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Isaiah 53, 6. Most of us know that verse, or at least that first part. All we like sheep have gone astray, and we all know that. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly, Romans 5 and 6. That's another well-known verse. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Romans 8, 3. That is a, one of these days I think we'll probably do Romans 8. <laughs> Just We may spend a month on Romans 8 or longer, depending on how many I do here in the winter. But I'm going to let the Lord lead me in that as well. Is he he sends me to I, this thing with First Peter? I wasn't going to do it. I've told you before, but he sent me right in. And you're doing it. You better start studying. You better start writing out some uh, good notes for it. Use the tools that I put at your hand, and make it understandable. Remove the confusion. Tom, you want to be a, 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 a confusion remover? Then prove it. And I do the best I can. I really don't want you confused. I, you know, If you get confused, can you please send me an e- email? Make it detailed as you want. I will try to explain it as much as I can, or I'll send you to the right, dis- the right place to get unconfused. One of those, you know, and I think I I touched on this before, the ifs, I-F, the, the, that little two-letter word, if. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is an ongoing thing in my life. I confessed my sins when I was saved. I confess them again every time I've, committed a big one and you know that could be you know you use your imagination it's usually nothing there's sins that are unto death and sins that just kind of put that little veneer between you and the lord and you know it's there and you want it gone i i, I love the, the, the straightforwardness of Peter and Paul in their writing, and John. John was a little bit easier, but he, he didn't play either. These guys didn't tell you, oh, hey, you know, come up front. Now we're going to say the prayer, and you're going to walk away a new man. I hope you do. 
I hope you walk away and say, I'm buying a Bible today if I don't have one. Or somebody give them a Bible. That's the best way to do it. You can buy Bibles in bulk. It costs a little bit, but it's worth it for folks that don't have one. Romans 4 and 25, he was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Why am I hammering on this? Because it's important. You know, we go through this life worried about taxes, which is something to worry about, worried about inflation. You know, these things are, they're, they're, they're life problems. They're life consuming. They, they get in our way. We, we worry about elections that we just had. We worry about wars that have happened and are happening. But we've been told, Christian, that these things will come. These things must be. These things always have. And yet here they are, doing exactly what God said. They're going to be there. Don't let them overtake you. That's a good word to look up as well, overtake to make sure that you're not falling under the, the crushing weight of things in this life that try to beat you down. Your communications with others and theirs with you can sometimes be a little difficult. The overtaking of your life by drugs, alcohol, pornography, any other sin you can think of. Listen to me. I'm going to say this as we draw closer and closer. we got about five minutes or so left. I said a little bit ago that there, there are certain sins that are not sins unto death. There are sins, I do believe, that will, if you continue in them, if you stay mired in the muck of them, they will drag you down. They will pull you away from God. Now, get into the salvation thing. You can't lose it, whatever. But then there are folks that will they'll tell you one thing. Well, I guess they were never saved to begin with. They turned their back completely on God, all that kind of stuff. You, know, you, you can get into that all day long as well. But John told us we need to be faithful to confess our sins. James even said, confess your sins one to another. I think that's where the Catholics pulled off and said, oh, you got to have you got to have a priest to confess them to. I don't have one of those, but I do have a high priest. His name is Jesus. I can go to him and confess what I, what I think wrong and even the things I don't even know I did. I'm like, Lord, if I did it, Please just cleanse me of it. Because there's stuff that we do all day long that can get us mired down. Now, why do I say these things? Again, uh, Holy Spirit guided, I, I, I would pray, that uh, <clears throat> we, we really, really need to get in touch with God in this 
dire time we're living in. And as we've been going through First Peter, we're up to we're up to chapter four now, I think, which I just outlined this morning to kind of help guide me along. It's pretty simple stuff, though. For First uh, Peter chapter three was just a little bit more. There's some stuff in there that shakes the tree a little bit. But as we go through this, and you can go back. You know, I'd love it if you went back and hit the button again and send this to your friends if you think it's worthy. Because I'm telling you right now, it's. I I can tell you the quick story about sitting with a a, a person, and uh, my grandfather was there. He was a he was a good Christian man. And we were talking about different things, and you know, this was one of them. You know, being able to forgive, being able to confess sins. You know, and admitting that you have done wrong. Some people have a real hard time doing it. This person said to him, "says You know, why is it? Why is everything got to be me? Why do I have to do everything?" And this old man, nearly ninety at the time, just looked across the table. He says, "Sometimes a Christian life." The Christian life is not easy. I think he said Christian life or Christian walk. Either way, you look at it. It's not always easy. It's not always, you know, smooth sailing. It's not, there's some hills. There's some, there's some rough path that we have to go down as we walk this path with God because the devil is always out there trying to pull you away. He's always trying to give you or get you into something you don't want to be in. And that's just, you know, as a child of the king, it's not where you want to be. We're going to go on with First Peter chapter 4 the next time we come together, and it will be soon. I hope this is helping you. It's helping me. I'm telling you right now. As we study together, it really is ripping into my soul. With love to you all for listening and putting up with me, I appreciate you, and I care about you. I pray for you, and I pray that you pray back to me, or for me. I'm sorry, not to me. Scratch that one, Otis. We need all the prayer we can get here. It's a rough way, a rough day. Hell, to next time. Tom Richardson, Removing Confusion. Have a good day. Have a happy Veterans Day. Get out there and hug a veteran. Say thanks. And I'm washed by his blood.